Jesus prays for all believers. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know you that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your son Jesus Christ prayed for us in the face of what was happening to him. And we pray that we would have the courage to grasp hold of this prayer and see it fulfilled in us. Amen. So thank you, uh, Elaine, for reading this uh, quite dizzying passage. So which way was it going? If you read this passage again quickly, I think we'd all find we could get easily confused, and I bet none of us could write it down quite quickly afterward. There's so much flow uh, of what's going on. Is it going this way? Is it going that way? It's easy to get lost. But this, remember, is Jesus praying at a really critical time. This is Jesus praying for his disciples the night before his crucifixion. And it's, the, and it's coming together, it's bringing all of the things that he's taught them, all of the things that he wants them to know to this, this, this conclusion, if you like. It's the reason for and the fruit of his giving himself for our sins, that it would bring glory to God through followers who loved him too. If you want to uh, have some, uh, some rich time this week with God, I recommend taking some quiet time to read it to yourself for yourself this week, because these are Jesus's words for us. This is Jesus's prayer for each of us in this room and the church down the road and the church over there. This is what he wants us to be. These are the things, he, the qualities, the, the love that he wants to see emerge amongst them. And that's really powerful, isn't it? Isn't that the, the first point about this little passage is that Jesus prayed for you. He prayed for each of us. We tend to sort of think of, you know, rightly, it's good that he prayed for each one of us, but actually he prayed for all of us. He wants to see all of us grow. 
Last week, um, I touched on how um, Jesus and the disciples were confronting a world that was wholeheartedly uh, rejecting him and would reject them. And he prayed earlier in this chapter about how they would cope with those situations. And he prayed for himself in the face of those situations. But I want to look at the things he prayed for, for you and for me, for all of us who have put our trust in Jesus Christ. And the way that this flows I just wonder what it would have been like. I'm not even sure how John remembered this when you think about it. You know, how did he remember? Jesus said this and he said, but it must have been so profound to have heard Jesus say it. It must have been so uh, amazing to be in the room with Jesus praying these things for all of us, that they would have had a grasp of what their ministry And their sacrifices would achieve through Jesus Christ. That some way down in the future, people would still put their trust in Jesus Christ. And if you think about it, the person who told you was told by someone who 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 was told by one of the people at that little prayer meeting. We can trace it all back, can't we? It's the fulfillment of Jesus's prayer. We, we come here and let's remind ourselves, maybe the second thing to bear in mind is not just that we pray, Jesus prayed for us, but we are the answer to that prayer. That we are the fruit of that prayer. What a wonderful thing to be able to say. So let's have a look uh, about some of the things it encourages us to think about. Uh, what, let's see what sorts of things it brings together. Of course, um, when I was thinking about this this week, I thought, Jesus, my, my initial sort of topic was, Jesus' pr- title was, Jesus prayed for you. And, and to make you individually more, you know, more, more, more of you. That's not always a great idea, but more. And then I thought, actually, it's in the plural, isn't it? All through the prayer, it's about them and they. It's about us. It's about us, you collectively. It's, so, the, so the essence of it is about this this big picture of unity, or perhaps I prefer the word harmony, a better word might be harmony, but but togetherness is the theme. It's about being united, and it's being about being united on three uh, key ideas. It's unity that's born supernaturally. It's not like joining the bowls club and you all sign up to some kind of constitution about how you're not gonna throw bowls, okay? It's, It's about something deeper and richer and bigger. It's, it's actually it's supernatural because it brings us to be at one with God himself. If somebody wanted to ask you what the difference was about being a Christian, is that in some way I can be at one with God. God has made himself available to me. God is accessible to me through Jesus Christ. And that through faith in him, the spirit brings us into life with God the Father. It unites us to God, us in him and him in us. And as he was in Christ and Christ was in him and Christ is in us. What an what a absolutely fantastic um, just picture of unity or, or communion. The, 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 the Greek Orthodox have this idea of the Trinity as being a perichoresis dance, an onward going dance where the three parts of the, of the Godhead move around one another but actually we're part of that too. 
We've been brought into that, that movement of God, being at one with him. And no other faith even comes close to offering this as a way of life or a way of being. Other faiths, particularly Eastern faiths, as Sarah was pointing out at Lent a couple of weeks ago, um, talk about escaping the earth and, and, and the world's terrible. Um, and, or, or other faiths talk about just sticking at it until God comes and will sort it out. Well, maybe that's your faith. That's, that's, that's your faith. I'm just going to hold on until God returns. But the reality of this prayer is that God has come and will do life with you, with us. He's intimately involved. He's prepared to get bloody and dirty. He's prepared to get in, stuck in with who you are and lift you out of it and brush you down and say, let's try again. That's a significant difference, isn't it? We're not trying to escape the reality we live in. We're not trying to just put up with it until something gets better. We're actually with God in it. And that should change uh, the way that people live. That should change the way perhaps we look at the world. It means that there is hope. That this situation, sure, isn't the end, but I'm not on my own. I'm not alone. God himself is with me. We just read Psalm 34, which is about God hearing our troubles. How many stories in the Bible could you think of where God hears his people's cries? It's really important, isn't it? So there would be a really important thing. We've got God in the middle of it. The second thing about it is that it makes our faith tangible makes our faith something that people can experience might not be able to touch it although occasionally you can feel God's presence in the room which is important isn't it but it changes the way we live and that means it changes what we do and how we do it that's how people experience it that's what makes it tangible that our conversation and our love for one another actually cause the world to see us in a different way. Look at how Jesus' prayer is challenging that the world hasn't agreed with them and the world has rejected him, but so that the world may believe. Verse 21, that the world may believe. The world may believe. The quality of life in his followers is such that the world would sit up, take notice and say, there's something real behind this. And that's important. Think about the reality of our human difference. The things that we're good at, the things that we're not so good at. The way that we sometimes stigmatise the stuff that we're not so good at, but actually some of those things are important to other people. The way in which God fits together the, the puzzle pieces of, of humankind with our differences. The things that we can offer to one another, the way we knit together as a people. God, that's God's work. And it's tangible, it's tangible when we allow the love of God to accept and work at one another, to love one another. The world, I think, is looking for love. It puts it at a high priority. It makes it part of its advertising in almost every branch of, 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 of the markets, of, of commerce. It's, it questions things that aren't loving. It's got, love is a big deal for the world, and it needs to experience it from the church. 
But imagine if they saw love authentically flowing between different people, different temperaments, different gifts and abilities, and different blind spots and habits and issues and hang-ups and weaknesses, and yet completely at one in harmony with one another. How would that be? What? That's what would cause the world to sit up and pay attention. That this supernatural love was actually made real in this group of people. Third thing is that it's evangelical. Perhaps I would say that. Um, but it's because it unites the people of God into the work of Christ his revelation, his teaching, his death, and his resurrection. The people of God are derived from Jesus Christ, and they're driven to witness to Jesus Christ. He redeems us, he can shape us, he can conform us, he prepares us, and that's part of God's great plan, isn't it? A couple of weeks ago, when it was my turn at Lent, we talked about how the purposes of God in Ephesians 3 were to reveal to the whole cosmos how God's grace would make a people fit for heaven. We're part of that. Some of you don't look very excited about it. <laughs> I think I've caught you on an off day, you're still asleep. <laughs> but we're part of that. How do we accept that? How do we, how do we allow that to shape us? I think it's, that, that comes from looking at this prayer, from actually renewing our mind and allowing Christ and the Spirit, his word, to, to renew our way of thinking about who we are, our place in the world, and what we're here to do. Those are really important things. It's about sometimes accepting scenarios that you don't want, because you might see God do something that you didn't expect. Those are important things, isn't it? I have found a couple of occasions where churches slip into little traps just, for, just to, to avoid allowing God to do stuff in them. Um, one, one encounter, I won't say where, um, but one church had this sort of idea that they were all somehow, not, not, they weren't really part of this prayer, but they were sort of, they were the sort of the standbys in an old episode of It Ain't Half Hot Mum. And, and so rather than allowing this prayer to take root in their life, they actually just played to these different types. Psychiatrist Jung would have had a field day. It's just what's going on. And so imagine going into a church and being met by four people who thought they were Windsor Davies. I can't do it. I can't do it. But imagine going into a church being met by five, four or five people who knew they were loved by God. What a difference that makes. What's your experience of coming to church or going to other churches? And I think sometimes, and this might be the wrong day to say it, but I think sometimes there's another little trap which is a bit more subtle. And this is the wrong day to say it because of... Sometimes we allow the, the corporate culture to sort of excuse things. Now this is the wrong day because sometimes I hear, and this is, this is genuine, you may have heard it too, well St John's always turns up at the last minute. Who's heard that? Yeah, yeah, okay, I can see some, some, I can see some people nodding at the back and they haven't even turned up at all today. <laughs> <laughs> Who is St John's? 
Well, it's the people in it. It's not some sort of giant building that dictates when you turn up to church, it's you. But we allow this sort of idea that we sort of, oh, well, we're not quite there because, because that's where the way St. John's does things. And you think, oh, hold on a minute, Jesus called us to be a bit better than that. Jesus called us to sort of live out his love in the world. So any reputation we have is down to us. We can't blame the building. It's about how much we have taken on the life and this prayer of Christ. It's not a huge criticism, but it's something to watch, isn't it? Am I falling into this culture or am I being part of this prayer? What's at stake is the opportunity to bring Christ's grace into any situation. To be as Christ was in the situations that he faced. To, obviously, there are some unique ones, his death and cruci- his crucifixion and resurrection. But for us, that grace of God, that glory of God, which he is declaring to us, was, is there to be made known to us and shared among us so that the world might see what God is about. To let the Christ's light of life live in us so that we would be glorified. We would be in the world, but quite clearly not of the world. Um, Diognetus' letter to Mathetes in the first, second century, sorry, talked about how closely the early Christians represented citizens of heaven in the world they lived in. What a beautiful picture. Citizens of heaven, people of God, light in the world. I think, aren't we, aren't we told to be light in the world? Yeah. And that's Jesus' prayer for us. So I wonder what that looks like for you. What does that look like to be uh, the light of Christ, the revelation of Christ, the answer to that prayer in your neighbourhood, in your street, the people you live amongst? What would, they, what would they say if they'd come to you with, a, with, a, with a, an issue? Would they, would they even know who we are? Would we be able to say, yes, I know my neighbours really well and they know that I know the Lord? That would be really powerful, wouldn't it? That could be really powerful. So what, what does the witness of this prayer, what does the answer to Jesus' prayer look like where you are? In Southbourne, Nutbourne, Hambrook, Chidham, Hailing? Thank you, hailing contingent this morning. Uh, and th- or Thorny, you know, what, what does it look like to be that prayer? Because my suspicion is that Jesus prayed this for us so that some other people's prayers might be answered. Because they were crying out for God and it might be that you're his answer to their prayer. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for all you have done to make us your people. We thank you that Jesus prayed in trust that there would be witnesses to his great love and his atoning sacrifice for us. And we pray that we would be the answers to his prayer and for those around us. Amen.